0: Oh, shit. Don't bullshit, bullshit. 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 Bullshit.
1: Bullshit. 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 Fucking bullshit. Bullshit. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Bullshit. Where would we be? Welcome uh, to the Bullshit Filter, episode 113. We're recording this on Friday, the 13th of January 2023. Hey, hey, Right. Brisbane time, uh, still Thursday, the 12th of January, uh, Virginia time, uh, deep, deep yeah. up your uh, hot Virginia. And yeah. hopefully that balances things out. So the bad luck that I bring, being Friday right. the 13th, is counterbalanced by yeah. the good luck of the 12th. Um, how are you, Ray? Oh,
0: uh, yeah.
1: What news I- do you bring Ooh. from your part of the world? Everything going well in America, Ray? Any classified oh. documents you found lying <laughs> actually, around your garage? Lately? Actually, I did
0: I did find a, a few uh today. Uh, I called Joe. You probably know him as Mr. President, but I called him, I said, Look, dude, this is embarrassing for both of us. Mm. Remember when you were over here for the New Year's party? Anyway, mm-hmm. come get your documents. Mm. No. Stop um, leaving no, classified
1: no, yeah. documents in my
0: fucking house. <laughs> right. Well, what he does is he makes a note. He's like, Oh, did let you me see leave a big a sign thing? Classified document storage at the front of my house. Did you see a sign that said classified document storage in my house? No. You know why? (laughs) Because I don't store classified documents in my motherfucking house. Cocaine. Yes. Documents. Dead hookers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're replete with dead hookers. I mean, you can't throw a rock. Anyway, we probably shouldn't go into that right now. But no, you've I got was a, just thinking. Oh, yeah, well, I, go ahead
1: go, yeah. ahead, go ahead. I was going to say you've got a you've got a thunderstorm coming. You said so. We got to get on with this shit.
0: Yeah, it's it's already started the pitter patter of rain, so it's going to get nasty. But 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 a a Santa
1: on the roof with reindeer's feet. Uh, I, He's the, late. The way
0: I conduct myself. Like your wife. Santa hasn't Santa hasn't been here in a good twenty years. Ever since I got legally married, and we've been doing the nasty. He hasn't. He hasn't. It. You know what? We let's just talk about the news. Let's talk about the news. Uh,
1: I want to do an update on the Ukraine war because I was reading uh, the New York Times yesterday. As is my want, whenever I want to giggle, uh, I read right. the New York Times and and just think about all the people who take it seriously. Yes. And um, they had a they had a line uh, somewhere on the front page of the website. Russia replaces commander for Ukraine war as signs of dissension grow. What? And I was weak thinking is this.
0: Yeah, Very yeah. Good. Well,
1: this is nearly a year in. I think hardly a week has gone by right. when I haven't read some prediction in right. the Western media about how it's all falling apart for Russia. Uh, we've had almost yeah. a uh, almost a year. It's day three hundred and twenty three or something of the war. Right. Um, almost. almost a year of predictions about how things are falling apart for Putin. The predictions that he's yeah. going to be replaced by his own people. There is going to be a coup. Etc. that the Russian economy is going to fail because of the sanctions, that Putin is tumbling down or dying, yeah. he's got cancer, oh, he's, he's got Parkinson's, he's going insane, yeah. Uh, yeah. he's paranoid syphilis. because of yeah syphilis, uh, all the dicks he's mm-hmm. been saying. We also heard predictions that Europe was going to suffer through the winter because of the sanctions on Russian oil and gas. Oh, that's right. Death's- all the predictions kind of remind me, Of the constant stories we heard during Trump's presidency, uh, which we talked about on this show uh, on on a regular basis, like almost every week it was Trump's going to resign, Trump's going to get indicted, Trump's going to this, Trump's going to that. The evidence is about to come out of him uh, having uh, Russian hookers pissing on him in in a hotel room in Moscow. It was just just four years of constant stories, and it's kind of been like that, um, the, the stories about Russia. We we get it about China as well. Xi Jinping right. stories constantly. So I thought um it might be a good time to see how those predictions have played out oh, over the last okay. year of the war and, and get it's a little a- bit of an update on how things are going.
0: Yeah, sounds like a fun game. We should you do know, this every year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's new Christmas tradition. We watch Die Hard... <laughs> <laughs> and for me, uh, The Room by Tommy Wiseau, and then we 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 do a Ukraine. Because uh, this war will be going on, I think, for the rest oh, of yeah. our lives. You yeah. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This could be a, a great tradition. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's start with the winter. Um, obviously, in the Northern Hemisphere, you're about halfway through your winter, maybe a little bit right. further, you know, past the halfway point, I guess. Getting December there. 25th is sort of the solstice, 23rd, <laughs> right. so you're kind of on the other side of it just. Right, um, and luckily for people in Europe, uh, unlike people in the U.S., it's been a relatively mild winter. I know you've had some brutal,
0: uh, oh god, yes,
1: glacial conditions in the U.S. We just had
0: one Monday; we had the schools were closed because this massive uh, Arctic whatever just came and put snow on the ground. We we're, we weren't expecting it, and suddenly I've got everybody home for, on Mondays. You know, I don't like my family, uh, hmm. but they were here. I mean, I like them in the abstract, but uh, not mm. like up close mm. and personal. So mm. Monday was no theoretically fun you were- like yeah. them,
1: but in practice, exactly.
0: Mm. yeah, not not so much. But then again,
1: I saw you post a video of, uh, like a week ago. You're in t-shirt and shorts, going for a walk. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, that, so- I mean, it's like that over We've had a very mild summer here in Queensland uh, comparatively right. too.
0: Yeah. Anyway, it's been Crazy. a mild
1: winter in Europe. And on top of that, uh, China's uh, COVID lockdowns over the last couple of months have reduced their LNG imports, meaning they're sort of taking the edge off uh, the, the competition for LNG coming right. from different parts of the world, uh, uh, which is you know reduced the inflation that could have happened for LNG. Right. Uh, particularly for non-Russian sources of energy. So uh, the, the the winter hasn't been as bad as predicted. Of course, uh, an Arctic cold snap like you've had in the US uh, right. or delivery disruptions for LNG could, right. or coal or oil or whatever, could uh, uh, change that. But so yeah. far, so good. Um, that said... Uh, the the energy crisis uh, as a result of of the Ukraine war, among other things, but primarily that has already cost Europe close to one trillion American dollars wow. from surging energy prices, according right. to uh, Japan Times. I read, we feel. Yes. We feel
0: bad. We feel really bad. If you look, in fact, I feel so bad. I'm going to have to go away for a week on my yacht just to get over what you people are going through. I am so sorry that we have to charge you this much money, but it's market forces, Mm. and we're capitalists. So anyway, please continue. Hey, that's a trillion
1: dollars that uh, could have gone to pay for healthcare or education or uh-huh. upgrading the infrastructure yeah. or, uh, you know, co- snorting cocaine off of hookers' tents. I mean, there are a lot of things you could spend money You could spend do a lot,
0: I think you find on for a trillion. Um, yeah. As for the Russian
1: economy, the IMF, right. the uh, international group of motherfuckers, uh, predicted yes. back in April Last year, 2022, a few months after the war started and the sanctions were put into place, that the Russian economy would shrink by 8.5%. Oh, crush them. Crush them. Yeah. That was in April. Uh, A few months later in July, they revised that down to 6%. Still bad. Uh, A few months later in October, they revised that down to 3.4%.
0: Yeah. Mildly annoying. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead. Russia did post
1: a $47 billion budget deficit in 2022, which is the second highest right. in its post-Soviet era, second only to its uh, budget during peak COVID 2020. Right. But it the, the budget deficit wasn't really because of the sanctions. It was because of the costs of the war. Uh, Mikhail right. Mishustin, the Russian prime minister, yeah, they nickname Shush. They just go shush whenever he tries to say anything. They just shush. hey p- p- shush Putin's just shush.
0: got this. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, discussing the economy recently, he said overall the indicators aren't bad. Russian revenues right. actually increased in 2022 by 2.8 trillion rubles. Not bad. Not bad. Huh. You. You want to? Uh, no one knows more about uh, forex right. conversion than you, Ray. You tell everybody in American dollars what 2.8 trillion rubles works 2. out
0: to 8 be. 2.8 trillion is about, give or take, $100, like Rain Man in the price of a candy bar. $100. Or, yeah. Or not. Okay. I could uh, be wrong. 40,
1: 40 billion
0: okay. dollars, Ray. Oh, wow. Still. But Th-
1: yeah. Yeah. That wasn't enough to cover the, 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 war cost which was about $92 billion or 6.4 trillion rubles. Now, obviously, the war has probably gone on a lot longer than uh, Vladimir point. Putin expected it to. Right. Um, like George Bush, uh, uh, he expected it to be all over in a few weeks. Yeah. Just like in the movies, out sign sign the peace deal, and we can all move on. Work on a tan and go. Um, Yeah, but the Americans were like,
0: "No, let's see if we can drag. Let's drag this out as
1: long as we possibly can." Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, how did Russia's revenues increase, Ray? No one knows yeah. more about uh, global economics than you. You, you, right. you did your PhD in global global economics at uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Colonel Sanders University in Virginia. <clears throat> uh,
0: tell us. Uh, tell us how that works. They're under well, sanctions. How How are their revenues going up? They probably turned things around like I did. Uh, you don't kill the pig. You don't sell the pig. You just rent the pig. Uh, and that way the pig's still alive and you get more money. No, I I, I believe it or not, I don't know. How did they raise uh, this revenue? How come there wasn't a major loss as as the newspapers predicted? What you talking about? What you talking about? What are you talking about?
1: What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Well, high commodity prices helped. Uh, see, the oh. thing about sanctions is uh, right. it drives prices up. Up. And uh, well, people still not only that, Yes, well, people have to okay. buy something yeah, from somewhere, yeah. right? And it meant Russia was able to put its prices up. So you know, when the U.S. and their Western allies say to their allies, "Okay, uh, you, you can't buy Russian energy products," among other things, right? Um, the the non-Russian countries that also sell oil, gas, coal, etc. Australia being one of them. Right. Uh, they go okay well demand for our product has gone up we can put the prices up. Um, yes. uh, and Russia can go well to the co- countries that are buying their products well prices are up so we're going to charge higher prices as well. Yeah. Obviously you know that they they need, they need the money more than the other countries do maybe so they need to be a little bit uh, more willing to negotiate.
0: But they also increased
1: their exports. They increased their exports last year to China by 64%, to India by 310%, Turkey by 198%, Spain by 57%, the Netherlands 32%, Brazil 106%, Belgium Uh by 81%, and Japan by 13%. Jesus
0: Christ. How do you defeat a nation that has its own energy source that everybody else needs and they still get to sell it? mm. Not not exactly. Particularly, and
1: they they get to sell it to the two largest countries by population in the world too, China and India. Of course, exports to some countries, mostly the USA, UK, and Sweden declined, but they weren't really big importers of Russian energy anyway. Right. Uh, and the UK though didn't stop importing Russian oil until the end of the year, but net net, the value of its exports actually grew right. after it invaded Ukraine.
0: Well, it knew it would have to compensate somehow. I mean, every you know, if you're going to have a war, you know, it's going to cost money. You know, prices are going to go up, and so I'm sure a lot of this was either planned out or baked in. Uh, Putin might be many things, but he's not stupid. And I'm sure he would have had research done and, and be ready to go with their natural gas, their oil, or whatever, what have you. Uh, yeah, so I'm sure they thought it out through as well. Yeah,
1: again, I, I, I suspect they probably—I mean, they probably had uh, a backup plan for what would happen if the U.S. got involved and stretched it out. But you know, I, I right. think that they probably hoped plan yes. A was that Fingers the U.S. Crossed. wouldn't get too heavily involved and they'd be able to grab the eastern part of Ukraine, the Donbass region, uh, get in and out fairly quickly. They they knew there would be sanctions, though. I mean, right, right. Know, a blind, blind dog with a note in its mouth could have told you that there would have been sanctions. Um, right. Because that's what the US does, right? You know, and, that's our know, go-to. Particularly against yeah. countries that they... Uh, Don't like and or have been trying to um, white ant for decades, like they've been trying to white ant the Russian economy. He knew sanctions were coming. They'd already had sanctions placed on them after Crimea and Georgia. So he knew this would happen. um, There's
0: alternatives. yeah. Yeah, there's always alternatives.
1: Meanwhile, the sanctions, of course, are impacting people outside of Russia. I mentioned before that energy prices in Europe have gone up by a trillion dollars uh, this year. Uh, food is in short supply in many countries that rely on Russian and Ukrainian uh, supplies. Uh, wheat right, other staples that are grown outside of their own borders have to have it. The European yes. Union. Which is heavily dependent on Russian energy is already struggling with inflation, as we all are around the world. I mean, Australia is not a big importer of Russian products, but you know, yeah. I think inflation here is running at about seven and a half, eight percent. You're feeling um, it, yeah. Not as high as it is in the U.S. and in different parts right. of the UK. I think it's running around about ten percent in the UK. Yeah. Uh, but it's been tricky. Europe stopped importing Russian coal only in August. It banned all imports of oil shipped by sea from Russia in December, all petroleum products earlier than that in February. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh no, the, uh, last February, I think it's this February that says Russia, though, has banned some of its own exports, agricultural <laughs> and medical products. Right. Uh, You've Partly because them. they need them at home because uh, they're going to struggle to import. Partly, I, I think, to punish uh, some of the allies for punishing them. Right. Uh, <laughs> you punish me, I punish you, you. It's like a night right. at your house on Tuesday night You're when it. the whips and the leather come out, the gibsuit.
0: Um, You're
1: not wrong. Right. You know, apart from energy, which is what we mostly hear about, Russia's also a major exporter of things like, fertilizer, asbestos, mm, that's um, a big
0: deal. nuclear yeah.
1: reactors, yeah, wheat, grain, etc. International yeah. car markets still depend on Russia for a lot of its uh, rare earth minerals, palladium, rhodium, things that they use to make catalytic converters. Uh,
0: uh, French
1: nuclear plants rely on Russian uranium, uh, although I'm sure Australia is more than happy to sell them our uranium if we have any leftover. Yes. Oil and gas, though, are Russia's most important. Uh, exports by far, and a major source of government funding. So the high price of oil and gas last year really helped the Russian economy survive the sanctions. Right. Gazprom, the state-run Russian energy energy giant, posted a record profit in the first half Mm. of the year. Um, Mm. So, look, sanctions could have an effect as time goes on, if the war drags on, and even once the war ends, I expect... Sanctions, Sanctions will remain in place for quite yeah. a while. Yeah. But uh, the flip side is I think war fatigue is going to set in at some point with the world. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, the first year of a war, people pay a lot of attention as wars drag on, particularly if your um, fathers, sons, brothers, uncles, wives, girlfriends, etc., cetera, aren't directly involved in the war. Mm -hmm. People tend to just get over the media cycle and they're like, yeah, okay. It's the war, blah, blah, blah. It's still going on.
0: War still going on? Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But why are my energy prices going up? Why can't I get the food I want? Why am I hungry? Why am I cold? Exactly. Uh, So we'll see. It's kind of this balancing act. And of course, you know, the Republicans got the house now, and they threatened anyway to start pulling us funding. going to talk more about us funding in a minute. Yeah. Um, so people tend to pressure their governments in various ways to improve. They're like, okay, yeah. Well, look, we we we, we want to support the people in Ukraine, but let, let's support the people back home first, right? Let's right. Don't inconvenience me.
0: Right. Yeah,
1: there's only so much deprivation people are willing to endure on behalf of others, right? Until they start getting sick of it. But it's not much. Like- it's As huge. for Putin's health, um. Yeah. Although who who knows. who knows? Who knows? Any anytime Putin coughs or right. uh you know looks a little bit tired. Oh, uh, look at him. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, fading. It, that's yeah. it. He's 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 yeah. done it, he's dying. But back in July, director of the CIA, uh Mr. Burns, uh said, There is no evidence that he is unwell. Really sounds. Right. Uh, hold on. Oh, that hurts. Um, He said there are lots of rumors about President Putin's health, and as far as we can tell, he's entirely too healthy. Let's see what we can... They sent him some exploding cigars they had left over from Fidel Castro's day.
0: Which is when you and I rocked up and went, rumors, rumors, you're the fucking CIA. I don't even want to know what your budget is each year, and the best you can do is rumors? Fuck you. No, but, uh, he's saying but, he's saying yeah. they're, oh. they're not
1: behind the rumors. He's dispelling no, the no. rumors.
0: Oh, he's dispelling the rumors. Okay, yeah. I see what you're saying. But, but yeah. I wouldn't put it past the CIA to not be able to come up with anything. But but basically, mm. we don't know. We have no idea. Besides pictures and videos, what do we know? He said rumors,
1: R.I.P. Christy McV. By the way, R.I.P. Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck died yes. last
0: night. Jesus Christ. God's taking the wrong ones. He really I like-
1: is. I, I don't know about how much of a Jeff Beck fan you are, but I deeply, deeply love Jeff Beck. I love the Yardbirds and I love Faces and Ola and all that kind of stuff. But really what I really, really love is jazz fusion albums, Blow by Blow and um, Wired. I discovered those when I was like 18 or 19 as I was starting to get into jazz. And right. um, I, I've listened to those A gajillion times over the years, know them note for note, right? Um, Absolutely. He wasn't a big fan of particularly blow by blow. He he said later in life, he wished he'd never done it and just stuck to rock and roll. But I, I I thought they were great. Um, He was like one of the originals, one of the greats, um, up there with you know the British uh, invasion guys, like Mm -hmm. in terms of guitarists, uh, you know, Jimmy Page, Eric Clapton, Pete Townsend, Mm -hmm. you know George Harrison. But you know more. More bluesy, uh, Keith. Uh, right. Those guys, the blues and rock and roll. Um, Jeff Beck was uh, at the forefront of all of yeah. that. Um, I think it was when Clapton left the Yardbirds. I think it was Jimmy Page that recommended they hire Jeff Beck. Um, wow, you know he was he was one of the best, like one of the He's top the ten legitimate. guitarists of all time, yeah. and um, yeah, it will be he, he will, will be, be missed. sorely missed. Yeah. I mean, he's been sick for a long time, and 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 hasn't yeah. uh, he had tinnitus, I think, and some other issues. So he hasn't really put out a lot of great work in the last twenty years, thirty years. Yeah, um, but
0: before still, that, you know, yeah.
1: he he really punched above his weight.
0: Yeah, you, you still hate to see people like that who made such an impression on you uh, go, but yeah, everybody passes except for us. Uh, except for we'll us. be here
1: forever. We'll be here forever. Yeah. We sold yes. our soul to the devil a long time ago and returned for immortality. By it, the devil, I mean. Is,
0: yeah, Gary Oldman. I was going to say his um, name is Gary. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to show Gary. that to You wouldn't expect that. You wouldn't expect anyway. Go <clears throat> ahead. Richard Moore, the head
1: of MI6, right, uh, agreed with Mr. Burns's assessment. He said there is no evidence that Putin is suffering from serious illness. So uh, when you hear all those stories in, I don't know, whatever you watch, whatever you listen to, I've seen a lot of people on Facebook say, look at it, he's dying, he's sick, he's insane. Uh, Not according to the CIA or MI6. Right. Uh, Putin turned 70 in October. By the way, his birthday is on the 7th of October, three days before mine. So just when you're doing your gift shopping, birthday (laughs) shopping, for (laughs) Putin and I, yeah, just send us both the same thing, whatever you send him, as long as it's not an exploding cigar, just give me the regular cigars. So Putin's right. health is doing just fine. What about the status of the war? Well, according to the ISW, the Institute for the Study of War, which is uh, sort of updates their map daily, Russia seems to be safely in control of the Donbass region, like that, the eastern part right. of Ukraine, Donbass uh, plus the corridor from Donbass down to Crimea. Mm-hmm. Um, below Zaporizhia, those sorts of places, so down to a sort of Odessa. They're still fighting over sort of the region around Kharkiv. They're, they're still, still attacking Kiev. I know D- Dennis, my editor in um, Kiev, uh, was late editing one of my shows earlier this week because they were in a blackout as a result oh, of drone strikes or missile strikes or something. But um, really, you know, it, it, it's always seen that the 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 intention of the war was to um take control over the donbass region finally it's, right. you know it's been going on there since 2014 obviously as we've talked about before yeah. to finally just cement their control force ukraine to concede uh just, for, yeah. to the Independence, probably, of that region, so they can form their right. own government. That'll be allied with Russia. Creates a bit of buffer for Russia between Ukraine, and they also obviously want Ukraine to uh, swear uh, pinky pinky promise that they <laughs> won't uh, allow NATO bases in their country. Right. So, um, you know, we've had a year of it's all going badly for Putin. It's failing. He's right. replacing generals because it's going badly, etc., um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. But, you know, seems to have got control over the areas that he wanted to have control over. So I don't think it's going Excellent. that badly. What do yeah. you think?
0: Um, If I could, the, the main premise of when you first started out was news in the Western press has been, oh, you know, his health. This won't last very long. He's made a huge mistake. This will be, you know, that kind of thing. All that reporting is not unlike dating me and letting me hit it one time. Now I'm going to come to you the next day and I'm going to go, look, I know that was horrible. I could tell you thought it was horrible. Um, but give me another shot. No, but but, but seriously, I'm mean, it's like, it's like, I could keep promising, oh, I'm going to get better. I'm going to get better. I'm going to learn some new techniques. I went to Uncle Cam Corner's sex addict uh, website. I don't know, whatever. But the point is they keep you have to keep saying something in the newspaper or the people will go, well, this is a bunch of shit or "Or, or maybe we are going to lose or were we wrong the entire time? So the newspapers have got to keep teasing you with possibilities. Oh, look, he's looking a little peaked or or, oh, he maybe he stumbled or there was a glitch in the video, maybe because they had to splice something together. All these crazy stories. and I, And I know you all know this, but the point is, it's like the press has to keep dragging it out until maybe it does come true. But you have to put all that aside. And, and acknowledge he's got the region. He's in control of the region. He's fighting around the region, but he's pretty much got what he wants. But the newspapers in the West have to sell copies. They have to sell ads. And so they tell people in, uh, you know, in America and in England and other places in the Western world what they want to hear. It's just not true. Um, And so they have to keep schlepping, uh, keep putting it out. But yeah, this could go on for another 10 years and they'll probably still keep saying, oh, any day now he's going to, he's going to make a mistake or he's going to collapse. It's just a way to sell newspapers. No one's really, you know, they're not honestly looking at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of it. I also think it's part of, um, you know, they have to, the, the, the media, particularly during times of war, conflict, whether you're directly or indirectly involved. Um, right. Tends to, you know, the, the the mainstream media needs to support the initiatives of the government, and if you're sending right. seventy billion dollars in taxpayers' money, in better, one shape or form it, to another country, right. people want to yeah. know that it's, uh, you know, working. You have to money you well have spent. to maintain yeah. the pretense. Yes. that uh the 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 money is being spent well yeah uh if you go well we've sent 70 billion dollars and quite frankly it's got us nowhere eventually yeah. somebody's going to go uh well let's stop sending money then why yeah. well, let's, let's spend that yeah. money at home yeah. uh why are we we've got giving poor it, people here or give it to the rich giving them money i mean to. let's not
0: let's not <laughs> well, they jump are, to
1: conclusions they are giving it to the rich
0: that's true but, but, that but, is well, where let's give it's it going already but, yeah. to the rich let's just, oh, just give yeah. massive tax to the rich you can't do that that's
1: it's hard to sell that
0: Okay, we'll see. Well, the Republicans are already saying we get let's get rid of the IRS agents and we're going to cut Medicaid and other forms of health care. But yeah, no, let's let's help. Let's help the people. But anyway, you're right. It's you. You would think at some point, is it is it a certain amount of time? Give me a time on the calendar where people go, hey, this war is still going on and we've sent billions or trillions of dollars, maybe, oh, I don't know, let's not do that anymore because it's not working and we could really use the money. When is that, Mark? Is it one year? Is it three years? Is it five years? Or is the government good enough to keep spinning the tail going, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We just need one more major push of money. And it's going to, I mean, you know, you know how the game is played. They'll keep telling you what you need to hear.
1: You know, the, we, we've done a lot of shows um, on the Cold War series about uh, the Marshall Plan and the economics, how military Keynesianism seems to mm. work. Mm-hmm. And the way it seems to work is it's a direct transfer of funds from the taxpayers right. uh, into the hands of business owners across the United States, uh, but we call it aid. Uh, really, right. the money goes – the money, very little of that money leaves the country. It yes. just goes straight from, you know, the, the treasury, goes from the tax base exactly. to the treasury, goes from the treasury right. to American business owners, businesses, yeah. who then provide a line of credit to the country that is the recipient of the aid so they can buy American goods and services with those funds. But the right. fight, and sometimes they're allies, like uh, the Saudis mm. or Israel or whoever. But um, the money stays within the family, right? It, it goes yeah. to it, it, most of it stays in the United States, goes straight in the pockets. And as we'll see a little bit later on, I'll cover this uh, with very little accountability or traceability. Oh, who's
0: got time um, for that?
1: But before we finish on the war, let's talk about peace. Uh, there's oh, not a lot of talk about peace. peace. <clears throat> um, no. You know, there's no Jimmy Carter-type uh, initiatives. Uh, Biden's not inviting Putin and Zelensky to Camp David right. <clears throat> to sit down yeah. vis-a-vis Israel and Palestine or whatever and go, hey, let's, let's work it out. Um, the only stuff you hear coming out of the White House from guys like Anthony Blinken is, well, Putin's not seriously interested in peace.
0: <clears throat> oh, it's his uh, fault. The flip oh. side is the
1: Russians keep saying they do want peace, uh, the Ukrainians say they want peace, yeah. um, but no, no one's willing to bridge the gap. And the Americans are throwing all of this money into, you know, into the fueling the fire without really looking at peace negotiations as an alternative. And just to remind everyone, you know, uh, the war started in large part because a year and a bit ago, before mm-hmm. the war. Putin was uh, in dialogues with Biden saying right. you have to promise uh, when 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 building up when Russia was building up troops on the border and um, there were some discussions he said to Biden you have to promise us Ukraine won't join NATO Biden said that's off the table we're not discussing that um, right. go fuck yourself basically right. and so you know the the possibilities for peace uh, before the war were scuppered by the United States and yeah. uh, remain scuppered today. On
0: yeah, if I can just add on to that, going going back to what you just said a second ago, it benefits who? If the war keeps going, doesn't benefit Russia, doesn't benefit Ukraine, doesn't benefit the American taxpayers, but it does benefit uh, overall the American government or the the general American government's goal of of uh, hurting Putin or keeping Russia down or keeping them bogged down. So so these two sides can say they want to talk all they want unless they cut us out and start talking to each other. I have a hard time seeing America going, yes, let's lead this charge. No, we're getting too much out of it. Our main adversary, well, it's China, but the other one's Russia. Uh, they, they, they've, got, they've got their hands full with this. Why would we ever want to stop this? Yes, it's costing a ton of money, but we just print more. Eventually, the American people, about 25 generations from now, will pay it off. Let's keep giving, Let's keep this going because it benefits us. Why would they change from that?
1: Yeah, you know, my my operating theory since the beginning of this war has been that it's a proxy war between the US and Russia, and they're fighting over uh, customers, basically. It's a battle mm-hmm. for markets, as all wars right. are. All wars right. are pr- primarily fought over economics, and it seems to me that the economics behind this war is for... The supply of energy, oil, gas, coal, etc., uranium—big business—to Europe, yeah, uh, and Ukraine, but also to Europe. Uh, They're basically trying to—they—they were looking for a way to manufacture an excuse to cut Russia out of the European uh, supply for energy and other things. Let's say, but mostly energy. Uh, and the way to do that was to manufacture a reason to put sanctions to justify putting sanctions on Russia. And that's what this has always been about. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, on the 28th of December, somebody just mm-hmm. murdered somebody upstairs. So- I heard a <laughs> smash. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, there's basically.
1: another body you need to bury in the backyard. That's why you live out in the country, I guess.
0: <laughs> I always bury it between the hookers. Uh, but yeah. you know that already. Alternate. Uh, the- yeah. The- <laughs> yeah.
1: On the 28th of December last year, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov Mm -hmm. said uh, peace talks with Ukraine would only resume if it recognized Russia's sovereignty over the annexed and partly occupied regions, Mm. which tends to suggest they're not thinking about uh, giving them their independence, uh, letting them have a vote now. Maybe that... Era has passed. They're like, no, we're just gonna bring it in now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmytro Kuleba uh, called for a February 2023 peace summit at the UN, but Mm. said they would only invite Russia if the country faced an international court for war crimes. Russia said, sure, happy to do that when America faces an international court for its war crimes in Iraq and Afghanistan, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and yeah. so nothing's ever going to happen there.
0: To, to which Washington said, yeah, I, I think this war is going to go on for a while. It's sad, but it's true. It's devastating. Devastating. devastating.
1: Yeah. But what I'm mostly interested in is where the money is going. Who's getting right. the money? And Ooh, as always, it is right? incredibly it, well, it's not impossible to figure this out. right? Um,
0: Shock. You know, gap. there's
1: been nearly $70 billion in aid approved by Congress. I think $66 billion is the current you, total, but that may be out of date. You would notice
0: that laying around, right? You would notice that much money. $50 around.
1: billion of it had been allocated as of right. November.
0: Mm-hmm. And you would
1: think that the either the U.S. government or mm-hmm. the US media would be keeping a careful track of where that money is going, who's getting Every it.
0: Penny. Yeah, yes. where it's
1: spent. Receipts, but bitch. Receipts. The opposite is always true when it comes yeah. to military Keynesianism. It, it, and you would be forgiven for reaching the conclusion <clears> that <throat> they try and make it as difficult as possible for anyone right. to figure out Look. where the money has gone.
0: We're a democracy. We're trying to help a fledgling democracy. And in that spirit, everything will be transparent. Every penny, everything we do. God bless America. Or not.
1: According to the Council of Foreign Relations, uh, $48 billion had been spent, sent, between January 2022 and November 2022. Breaks mm-hmm. down like this high level, 9.9 billion, 21% to uh, humanitarian aid, emergency food assistance, healthcare, refugee support, etc. Right. 31%, 15.1 billion, financial aid, budgetary aid through the economic support fund, loans, and other financial support. 19% of it, 8.9 billion, to security assistance, training, equipment, weapons, logistics support. Another assistance provided through the Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative. Wow. Another 27%, $12.7 billion in weapons and equipment from the Defense Department stocks provided through presidential drawdowns, and another 3%, right. 1.3 billion grants and loans for weapons and equipment. So the total military component is about 48%, mm. 22.9 billion. Let's right. say 23 billion. Now, some of this is actually to replenish US weapon stocks about 9 mm-hmm. billion. That they they said, look, we're going to send what we've got on the shelf to Ukraine, right. all the old stuff and then we're going to have to buy new stuff.
0: Oh, it works. Right. It still goes boom. It's just, it just boom. older.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what uh, Heather says about you. Like it still goes boom, but it's just older. Not as not as much boom as I used to get. Uh, <laughs> it's a decreased
0: boomage, uh, yeah. if you will. Yeah,
1: got yeah. to put more battery. You got to replace the batteries more often to get the boomage.
0: Yeah, but now, it's when she keeps shoving them up the backside, that I find offensive. Go ahead. Sorry. 22, $23 dollars
1: in military now. Usually, the biggest recipient of American military uh, aid, quote unquote, is Israel, which gets about three, three point three billion a year. So this You're is welcome. like I don't know what's uh, not ten times, but it's a lot. 20, what's it's 23 divided by three? Three, seven, seven times roughly the amount yeah. that Israel gets. That's a lot of uh, boom. <laughs> um, now, Ukraine has also received another 50 billion from other countries God in the last year, mostly the EU and the UK, about 30 right. billion from EU institutions. Another um, six or seven billion from the UK, another five billion from Germany, three or four from Canada, et cetera.
0: Right. Um, Now,
1: as I said, uh, the way that military Keynesianism, particularly in times of conflict or war, tends to work is the money gets spent really, really quickly, as quickly as they can get rid of it.
0: Yes. Um,
1: But it's very, very difficult to find out where it went. And there's usually a pattern to this for people who pay attention. Uh, The pattern is that not much of it leaves mainland US. Most of it just goes from, as I said before, taxpayers' account to the treasury, from the treasury to American businesses. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the recipients get a line of credit. So it's a boost to the U.S. economy, which is why the U.S. Right. is always in some kind of war where they need to quickly uh, you know, spend a lot of money uh, without knowing where it goes, because yeah. this is one of the engines of the U.S. economy since World War II is yeah. permanent war.
0: It pays. War pays. Don't let anybody tell you anything different.
1: The second component to the way this tends to work is there's very little oversight or accountability. I talked about this in the psychopath epidemic, uh, looking at uh, various audits that happen because what tends to happen is money will get spent uh, very, very quickly. Sometime later, three, five years later, some bright spark uh, in Congress will say, you know, we should have an audit about where the money went and they'll all sit around for a couple of months. Mm Uh, first of really? all, it'll take them like a year for them to just get the to order ready. Then yes. They'll have a hearing, and yes. they'll say, where did the money go? And they'll be like, I don't know. Money? What money? Yeah. What yeah. money yeah. are you talking I'm about?
0: No, I'm no longer in that department, so I don't have to answer your questions. Have a nice day. Yeah. Or whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking, actually, let me
1: just, um, I should have done this earlier. I'm going to pull up my a copy of The Psychopath Epidemic Mm. And I will, um, I will read uh, what I wrote in there. No, I won't, because it says not found. What? Oh, well, that's just the covers. No wonder that's not there. Psychopath yeah. epidemic. Epi- did you have
0: to learn how to epidemic? spell that word to to write that book? Because that seems I like did. it'd be challenging. Yeah. Wow. that was
1: the that was the hardest part of the book <laughs> was figuring out how to spell epidemic. Or was a psychopath? You're talking
0: about. You suffered. Su- either one, I can't mm. spell either word, mm. so it's it's okay. I'm impressed twicely.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> while uh, this PDF is searching for the word yes. "audit," I'll keep going. Yeah. So, yeah. as I said before, there's no media outlet in the US. Uh, key, there, there is one in Germany that I'll talk about, keeping uh, like an ongoing tally of the cost or where the money's is going. You know, yeah. you would think that that, that some um, enterprising journalists would be digging into this. Yeah. yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Ever, even conservative American think tanks no. uh, who are no. you know, mostly stuck in Cold War mentalities um, don't focus on the financial transparency of these conflicts. And, of course, you know, they, the conservatives know where their bread is buttered as well, so they're right. not stupid.
0: Everybody benefits everybody involved who could look into this besides the press is benefiting. And like you said, they have their masters too. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Oh, oh, wow. Here we go. This is some Mm -hmm. quotes from the book. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, One study in 2013 suggested that the Pentagon had dispersed around $385 billion to private companies for work done outside the US since late 2001. By the second Gulf War, contractors represented roughly one half of deployed personnel in Iraq, with the company now known as KBR employing more than 50,000 people. Uh, But wait, there's more. It's not just manufacturers of the tools of war or the people who make guns and tanks and bullets or supply mercenaries that benefit from wartime spending. American businesses of all sizes, from Google down to removalists, the US Defense Department spends roughly $8 billion annually, annually, moving some 500,000 people to new assignments. About $2 billion is spent transporting household goods, and $6 billion is spent on allowances and indirect costs. Get a slice of the military pie. Way mm. back in the mid-1980s, the Pentagon was critiqued for wasteful spending when the news emerged that they paid $640 a piece for 54 toilet seats. That might sound like a lot of money for a toilet seat, especially in 1980 dollars, even allowing for the fact that it was a custom-built toilet enclosure for the P-3C right. Orion anti-submarine aircraft. But more recent studies have found the Pentagon's wasteful spending of late makes the $640 toilet seat seem minuscule. One recent study found Pentagon wastage added up to over $33 billion, such as $150 million spent on private villas for a handful of Pentagon employees in Afghanistan, and $2.7 billion spent on space blimps, Uh, not space chimps. They spent a lot of money on space chimps, but that's who's living in the space. They're that's driving a separate, the yeah. that's yeah. a separate budget item. <laughs> all of those massive, all of those 800 massive US bases in foreign countries have to supply their personnel with food and clothing and computers and cars and pens and Starbucks and Burger King. Tom's right. dispatch discovered 1.7 million individual contracts many of those benefiting from what they refer to as the growing use of uncompetitive contracts and contracts lacking incentives to control costs, outright fraud, and the repeated awarding of non-competitive sweetheart contracts to companies with histories of fraud and abuse for services outside the United States since the start of the Afghan war, the fiscal year 2002. Cheers. Now, later on, I go on to say there's very little oversight on where the money goes. It's just a fire mm-hmm. hose of easy money that flows out of the public treasury into the coffers of the corporation. And the most significant benefactor of US military budgets in the last decade, KBR, Kellogg, Brown and Root, who has received right. over $44 billion in military contracts. That's a lot of cornflakes. No way, <laughs> wrong Kellogg. They were originally <laughs> called Brown and Root, better known to critics during the Vietnam War as burn and loot, and they made oh. a lot of money in the 1930s from government contracts scored for them by their close friend, their local Texan congressman Lyndon Baines Johnson, whose political wow. career they helped finance. As LBJ's right. career advanced, he helped BNR win government contracts to build airports, pipelines, and military bases, while they in turn poured money into his campaign war chest. You might have heard of the company that acquired BNR in 1962, Halliburton. In 1995, Dick Cheney became Halliburton's president and CEO after helping jumpstart the Pentagon's ever greater reliance on private contractors when he was Mm. President George H.W. Bush's Secretary of Defense. In 2009, the Pentagon's top auditor testified that KBR accounted for the vast majority of wartime fraud. In 2007, after years of Mm. terrible publicity, Halliburton spun KBR off as an independent company and moved its headquarters from Houston to Dubai. The list of controversies surrounding KBR include allegations of corruption, bribery, negligence, sexual assault, human trafficking, and knowingly exposing their employees to poisonous smoke from burn pits. None of that has stopped KBR winning ongoing Pentagon contracts, though, according to their investor presentations. Wow. But it's not just the companies that are running the overseas operations and bases that are benefiting. It's also, of course, the arms suppliers. The world mm-hmm. spent $1.69 trillion on the military in 2016. In 2011, Jesus. the 100 largest U.S. contractors sold $410 billion in arms and military services to the U.S. military in one year alone. These are companies like Lockheed Martin, Boeing, BAE Systems, General Dynamics, Raytheon, and Northrop Grumman. They make missiles, artillery, aircraft, and so forth. Um, Yeah, and then I go on to quote Eisenhower. In his first speech as president in 1953, just after the death of Stalin, Eisenhower said, Mm -hmm. every gun that is made, every warship launched, every rocket fired, signifies in the final sense a theft from those who hunger and are not fed, those who are cold and are not clothed. This world in arms is not spending money alone. It is spending the sweat of its laborers, the genius of its scientists, the hopes of its children. The cost of one modern heavy bomber is this, a modern brick school in more than 30 cities." It is two electric power plants, each serving a town of 60,000 population. It is two fine, fully equipped hospitals. It is some 50 miles of concrete pavement. We pay for a single fighter plane with a half million bushels of wheat, we pay for a single destroyer with new homes that could have housed more than 8,000 people. This is, I repeat, the best way of life to be found on the road the world has been taken. And in his last speech as right. president in 1961, he said, in the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. And then I go on to say something you might not know in the original draft of this speech, Eisenhower referred to it as the military industrial congressional complex, but the term congressional was dropped at the last minute to appease the then currently elected officials.
0: I just have to respond Um, to that by saying, Jesus, is that you? Because that sounds a lot like the Jesus that I would follow and kill for if I may
1: his brother Eisenhower's brother Milton asked My about Jesus the drop brother. reference to congress said it was more than enough to take on the military and private industry I couldn't this is what he said Eisenhower said yes. I couldn't take on the congress yeah. as well pick your battles um yeah, yeah anyway I uh, I somewhere yeah. in here I've got a lot of quotes about um, the audit trail after the Iraq War. Um, I can't. I won't bother finding that. And read. I've already read too much. But it basically, yeah, when they did yeah. an audit, they they were like, we don't know where it went. Um, <laughs> we yeah. just well, we spent it.
0: Right. Two things. One, how can they have the larger general figures if they don't have all the individual receipts? It sounds like they just picked numbers. But yeah, I guess it. I mean, it's literally. A culture of free money so it's not like you're going to suddenly start worrying about receipts and and keeping things keeping tracks of things if you've never had to before and you've never been punished for it before so this isn't going to change anytime soon but given everything you just read out again america with all due respect has no it does not benefit us if this war ends it's horrible people are dying people are suffering every single day but you know what they're not americans we're going to keep sending money over and hopefully uh, it keeps weakening no. this is what the american attitude is but you're not sending money over Russia.
1: the money's no, no, not you going know what over I mean.
0: right no the money's that we're sending weapons but we're paying ourselves literally the left yeah. hand is paying the right hand there's a reach around mm. and some weapons go mm. uh to the other side of the world but the, but the point is everything you just read there's no incentive for America to aggressively stop this war.
1: Well, no, there is an incentive for the people. You want more hospitals? You want more schools? You want more roads? You want Don't more? i about the people
0: who are making money now, you silly yes. little naive thing. Mm. You, I'm talking about the people who are making money now.
1: Oh, those people, the real yeah. people. The and, other ones aren't real they have, people. They're just the masses. They own.
0: They own the Congress people. They literally yes. write. Yeah, they write them checks. Yeah. So anyway, I'm done. There's a German think tank
1: called the Kiel institute that's Mm -hmm. been doing its best to try and track all of this let me take these other glasses off
0: Um, good good luck you only need one pair i'm just saying you only
1: need several um as it turns (laughs) out my age um they've been trying to track uh total military and non-military aid to ukraine since the beginning of the conflict right according to them An important challenge is to quantify non-financial transfers such as in-kind shipments of military equipment, weapons, medicines, or foodstuff. In -hmm. many cases, governments report the value of their in-kind donations in their national currency so that we can use that number as the baseline value. In other cases, however, governments do not report the value of aid but only mention the items supplied, for example, specific weapons or several tons of foodstuff. To value these, we draw on a broad range of sources to identify market prices choosing an upper bound when possible, for example, by using the new purchase price, even if much of the military equipment is probably used. Mm -hmm. We stopped publishing the graph committed versus delivered weapons in October 2022 because of the opacity of US weapon deliveries. The US right. government largely stopped publishing information on how many units have been delivered and when. Only the US commitments are known. There is also limited wow. media reporting on actual US deliveries. We will keep tracking the available information and will resume publishing the graph when better US data becomes available. So, mm. you know, these, this German think tank is trying to work it out. They're struggling. Yeah. To get access to the data,
0: yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're literally not getting data, which of course is intentional, and that's the whole point. So it sounds like, and I don't want to brag or anything, but it sounds like the Americans have gotten pretty good uh, hiding money.
1: Well, there's a particular um, tactic involved that I'll Mm -hmm. get to in a second. Uh, First, I want to quote a guy called Stephen Semler, co-founder of the Security Policy Reform Institute, which is a U.S. foreign policy think tank. He says the right. U.S. is really preparing for a long war. It's actually preparing for endless war in Ukraine. Jesus, They're right. saying we're only doing this long-term approach because Putin is the one insisting on doing so, and that could be right, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's not like the U.S. is expressing much, much confidence in its diplomatic skills to end the conflict rather than just trying to outlast Putin.
0: Right, Till he dies. We'll just keep the war going until he dies of old age. That's our policy.
1: Yeah, regime change.
0: Exactly. Uh, Now, back in
1: July, the Defense Department's Office of the Inspector General raised concerns about the lack of transparency and traceability of funds Mm -hmm. devoted to Ukraine. I'm getting Mm -hmm. this off the Department of Defense's website. His report said, and I quote, the DOD limited the transparency and traceability of the Ukraine supplemental funds by using journal vouchers to reclassify the execution of the funds. They act as a reimbursement and the costs. However, the use of summary journal vouchers is a concern because journal vouchers have the potential to limit the transparency of the funds, particularly if the summary journal vouchers do not trace back to the supporting transaction details. So the way it seems to work is this. The Department of Defense spends money on something. Mm -hmm. then reclassifies it in their accounting system. And then when the aid money comes in, they apply it to the reclassified voucher. So their justification is, well, we need to spend the money now. Congress hasn't given us the money yet, but it's coming, but we know it's coming. So we'll go and spend it. Okay. So we're going to give corporation X, Y, and Z, uh, $5 billion for weapons mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Right. Um, and we're going to write a voucher for that in our financial system. Oh, we bought and our best weapons. handwriting. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. We bought some mm-hmm. weapons. We bought some weapons. Um, I can tell you why. And yeah. then when the money comes in, we apply it to the voucher that says we bought some weapons. Yes. Um, now, basically, it's a shell game. It's like running yes. shell companies through Panama, yes. right? What it makes it harder it? to trace. Five right. years from now, when they get around to doing an audit on where did that oh, money go, they'll no. go, "Well, uh, what was this voucher for? Oh, uh, well, it says we bought some weapons. Well, who got the money?
0: Right. Yeah, what kind oh, of weapons? Shit. How many? Um, ah. Listen,
1: uh, I, I should have really, been here
0: five years ago. Yeah, yeah we didn't. Sorry. We
1: didn't have time to write that down. Well, who well, approved the voucher? Well, that was Barry. Barry. Yeah. So where's Barry? Yeah. Oh, Barry. Well, Barry's gone. You're tired. Barry's yeah, retired. retired. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he works for he works for Northrop Grumman now. True, he, right. he works for he's BIA a consultant. Assistant.
0: Yeah, consultant. he's retired. Yeah. Uh, he's right. in Dubai now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, Barry. So they called Barry into the congressional hearing. Barry, what was that money for? Oh man, that was like five years ago. Man. I mean,
0: yeah, the amount well, cocaine has passed through. Sorry, go ahead. Why didn't you
1: write it down? It was we were in a hurry, man. Yeah. We didn't we're have patrons. time. Like yeah. literally, if I could find that section in the book.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: they that's literally the excuse they used. Did not um, have time. I'm yeah. gonna use that. Yeah. It, 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 we were uh oh, hold on. Bremer. I think that was the name of the guy. Wasn't that the guy who was Bremer said over there?
0: Yeah. Bremer. Bremmer. Bremmer. B-R-E-E-E B-R-E-M-M-E-R-E.
1: Yeah. yeah, there we go. Um here we go. I've got the quote. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here we go. This is talking about the Iraq war, right? The $12 right. Billion, um, Oh, this is when they, they sent $12 billion in cash, literally a pallet of cash to Iraq.
0: They could have called me. I would have helped. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. The money was shipped in secret as two hundred eighty-one million notes weighing 363 tons flown from the US Federal Reserve in New York to Baghdad once or twice a month on military Aircraft. What right. happened to it when it arrived in Iraq? Well, that's the $12 billion question. The money yes. was to be administered by the Coalition Provisional Authority, the CPA, a transitional government set up by the US, UK, Australia, and Poland. When twelve Jesus. billion, The $12 billion came from Iraqi assets seized after the first Gulf War from the sale of Iraqi oil and surplus Mm -hmm. payments from the UN oil for food program. It belonged to the people of Iraq and should have been dispersed with some level of accountability. Instead, the CPA under the leadership of American Paul Bremer, a former managing director at Kissinger and associates, a worldwide (laughs) consulting firm founded by Henry Kissinger, put no internal auditing into place. And as a later report found allowed nearly $9 billion to disappear, quite possibly as a result of fraud and corruption. According to investigations carried out by the US government, it was literally handed out as cash to unknown people with no invoices or receipts required. One of the handy things about this money was that, as it belonged to Iraq, few people in America cared what was done with it. And, of course, the Iraqis were in no state at the time to worry about it either. They might have been better equipped to play a role in the dispersal of the funds once the Iraqi provisional government took control in July 2004, but Bremer made sure the money had already been spent before that happened. And to make sure nobody on the American side of things could be held responsible for the disappearance of the funds, two days before he left Iraq, Bremer signed Order 17 which gave everyone associated with the CPA and the American government immunity. One of his former top aides is quoted as saying that Bremer wanted to make sure our military civilians and contractors were protected from Iraqi law. Invade a country, make $9 billion of their cash disappear and make sure no one associated with it can be prosecuted later later all in a matter of months and in broad daylight. Forget about Ocean's Eleven. Surely this yeah. is one of the greatest heists in history. Bremer now, we nine. can only imagine who ended up with these missing billions. If you knew a friend of yours had $12 billion in untraceable cash sitting in his office and was handing it out willy-nilly, how quickly yeah. would you be there with your hand out?
0: I, I'd buy him lunch. Yeah. At least yeah. one
1: of Bremer's management team doesn't think it's a problem where the money went, Rear Admiral David Oliver who was the director of management and budget under the CPA when asked by the BBC, where the money went replied, I have no idea. I can't tell you whether or not the money went to the right things or didn't, nor do I actually think it's important. BBC, (sighs) not important. Oliver, no, the coalition. And I think it was between 300 and 600 people, civilians. And you want to bring in 3000 auditors to make sure the money's being spent. BBC, yes, but the fact is that billions of dollars have disappeared without a trace, Oliver, of of their money, billions of dollars of their money. Yeah, I understand. (laughs) I'm saying what difference does it make? Okay, so billions of dollars being squandered is okay when it's not taxpayers' money, according to David Oliver. But what about when it is taxpayers' money? Yeah, bitch. And so, yeah, it goes on. but yeah, Basically, when they were audited, they said the same thing. Uh, Yeah, honestly, we don't know. We just had to spend it quickly. So we did that. Uh, where it went doesn't yeah. matter.
0: We're what? Uh, don't have time right. to worry about yeah. where the money goes. I can't take fifteen extra seconds uh, to write something down or to make an entry in a computer because what's going on here is patriotism, love, freedom-loving peoples, mm. uh, helping other freedom. What is the cost peoples? of freedom, really? Uh, Nine billion, mm. uh, give or take a billion. Now-
1: some people in the US, Senator Rand Paul being one, has been arguing right. for more transparency. But, of course, the Democrats spin that as he's a uh, Putin lover. If right. you if you ask for transparency uh, or accountability for this money, you're yeah. automatically a Putin lover. Shame on you. Um, in recent yeah. conflicts, also, apart from money just disappearing, the US has lost track of tens of thousands of weapons, rifles, pistols it bought for things like the Iraqi Security forces, tens yeah. of thousands of more pieces of military equipment disappeared in Afghanistan. And of course, they all end up in the hands of the Taliban or ISIS yes. or whoever the bad guys Someone are today. Shouldn't have it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but hey, that's the cost of war, right? <laughs> um, of course, Fox if the sec. IRS audits your business.
0: Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, you better it's, it's be on. able to
1: justify
0: every, every. single dime yes. you have Whip spent. Whip out those receipts, yes. I've, as got, Michelle, I've got Walgreen. Yeah, go ahead.
1: As Michelle. Michelle Yeoh found out in Everything Everywhere All at Once. Have you seen that yet?
0: No, I've been hearing oh, about it, but I, I haven't taken the time to... Uh...
1: Fun film, great film. And congratulations cool. to Michelle Yeoh on her Golden Globe win. Uh, as, uh, do as, as well her. as Ki Khoi Juan, who played her husband the kid from uh, Indiana Jones and the temple of doom who also came back to acting and uh, after a 20 year break and won a golden globe. So good. (laughs) Okay. That's the end of that story. That's an hour and a bit.
0: Yeah. Should we keep going or should we break this into two shows or just freaking go with it?
1: Yeah. Let's keep going. One show a month. Let's make it work. Make it last. How's Uh, your rainstorm going?
0: uh, It's sprinkling so if, if you're if you can live with a drip 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 we're good i'm gonna take a next? break from talking because my throat's getting
1: sore yeah. why don't you talk about the uh the teamsters uh
0: case yeah okay so let me let me whip this out here Okay, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that we've covered a lot of things. And one of the things that we've covered indirectly is the benefits that everybody in America, but also other industrialized countries uh, have, thanks to their unions. Their unions have been through hell and back. Uh, We've told stories on the bullshit filter when we were doing the history of drugs. Uh, People would go on strike. They would bring in cops. They would bring in roughs and toughs and literally crack some heads open. So uh, the unions have done a lot for this this country and other countries uh over the last 120 whatever years they've they've done a lot. So um it's kind of sad that some elements in american political uh like in the supreme court and in congress are going after unions they've been trying to weaken them for years. They've actually been doing a pretty good job and now there's another court case that's in front of the supreme court that is going to also If it does go uh, a certain way, it's going to hurt uh, unions. Uh, And the reason is probably going to go bad, and and I'll get to that in a second, but it's basically because of the five conservative justices. There's Clarence. I never talk about work to my wife, Thomas. Uh, Samuel, questioning the court's integrity, crosses an important line, Alito. Neil, why am I here, Gorsuch? Brett, where's my beer, Kavanaugh? And Amy, do you live by the Bible every day? Because I do, uh, Corey Bennett. So you've got these five pretty far-right justices who have been slamming on things like abortions lately, and now the latest court case that they're going to go after um, unions with is Glacier Northwest versus uh, International Brotherhood of Teamsters Local 147. Basically, what this comes down to is the Supreme Court is going to consider whether or not employers can sue unions for perishable goods that are lost during a strike by claiming that they're intentional prop that they're intentionally been uh, damaged so the way it works in america for now is if you you don't like what memberships uh management's saying to you and maybe it's been years and years and years and that's the way it's been for the for this particular uh group of unions they go on strike they, le- they and some of them were uh, they were they drove trucks, cement trucks, and they left the cement in the trucks. Now, you can't just bust on the unions um, directly. So what you have to do is you say, hey, they left the cement in there on purpose. The cement was ruined. We should be able to charge them. And of course, the whole point of that is if you can somehow undermine, weaken or make people pay for every time they go on strike, you've just weakened the union. Or you You've just made strikes. Uh, less likely to happen, and so that for that way uh, you don't have to negotiate in good faith because you know there's a decent chance they're not going to strike because they uh, they've had certain rights taken away from them, and I think they started uh, their opening arguments yesterday. But keep an eye on this because if they do this, they are literally going to make it almost impossible, or they're going to make it financially not viable for unions to strike. So so th- this could get ugly. But uh, every everybody who's concerned. Uh, th- thinks that the unions are going to lose this particular case. One of them, a uh, uh, union lawyer said, the union activity for which Glacier seeks recovery in state court was a peaceful strike in support of collective bargaining demands. Yeah, that's what a strike is. We all get together. That way we can have more power as one voice and we we go against management. That very thing may be taken away from them because they might have to pay a big bill every time they go on strike. So we'll see what happens. but. The thing is this has been on the books I think at least since the 70s if not the 60s and so you think it would be a you think it would be safe the idea that you, that union strike yeah no that that's very common but we had abortion protected for 49 years and now that's gone so will this go probably and why because of the five conservative justices
1: yeah yeah it's uh <clears throat> one of the things that they were put there to do is start to uh, yes. roll back the clock on a lot of these yeah. uh, sorts of situations.
0: If I could uh, uh, mm. just real quick, uh, Mitch McConnell has been cursed up and down by why, why didn't you do anything about Trump for all those years? You know, he embarrassed you, he made you guys look ridiculous. And now you're starting to the Republican party starting to lose because of his influence. A lot of people who are speaking up from Mitch McConnell or they have one answer. And that answer is Supreme Court. As long as he can put judges on the Supreme Court, I don't care what monkey act uh, antics he gets up to. I don't care if he gets pissed on in a Russian bed by a hooker. He can do and say whatever stupid shit he wants. But as the president, he can give us conservative judges. We're going to put up with this shit. And they did, to a degree.
1: Now, Ray, uh, you're, you're the world's leading expert on World War II. I uh, how do you feel about Britain and Japan signing a new defense pact?
0: Um, to be honest, it's scary. It's scary for a couple of reasons, because Japan, after what they went through, pacifist, you know, uh, either no military or very little military, and it's just for internal defense. So for Japan, to walk away from that, to, to begin to break away from that, and to not only make an agreement with UK saying, you can have your troops on our soil. We can have your our troops on your soil. There's already 50,000 Americans in Japan. You, you brought that up time and time again. Between that and Japan, UK, and another country, but I can't remember who, they're going to get together and they're going to develop their own latest generation of fighter jet. So the way I interpret all of this is we already know that some Americans are gunning for China. They want to bring them down. They want to bring them low because war is all about economics and China is the economic power on the planet at at this moment. So we got to bring them down. So I think Japan knows we got to be able to defend ourselves against China, which is impossible. We need partners. We need big boys. So to me, it's almost like China is picking a side. I mean, excuse me, Japan is picking a side because they can see what's coming. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But it it seems like this would be unnecessary unless Japan was very worried about a future event. What do you think?
1: Well, uh, yeah, look, I think every uh, country should have the ability to defend itself. Mm -hmm. I think the Mm -hmm. restrictions that were placed on Japan after World War II probably should have expired uh, a long time ago. Uh, But uh, obviously Japan has basically become an American uh, proxy, a puppet uh, government Yeah, yeah, since World War II. And uh, this seems to be part of the opening up of that. It's been sort of loosening up for a, a few years now. Um, mm-hmm. where Japan is starting to re-engage uh, its military. But again, you know, they're doing it under the uh, auspices yes. of the United States. You still got so your 50,000 okay. troops in there. Yeah. 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 It's
0: okay. If we're okay with it. It's not okay I, if we're not okay.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, Japan uh, and China obviously hate each other, always have done. Um, so yeah. yes. Well, for the last 100 or 200 years, anyway. Um well, so Japan, uh, since the end of World War II, Japan has been, been to the Pacific, to America in the Pacific, what Israel is to America in the Middle East. Good right? point. It's a, a, it's a protected uh, ally that right. you keep uh, safe, you keep you keep under control, you keep your boot mm-hmm. on their throat, and, and it Heather gives you... It gives you a place where you can put bases, where you can put military. Yes, uh, it, a it, jump uh, off point. And you can also use them to destabilize the region if you want. That, that hasn't really happened yeah. with Japan per se, obviously happens uh, constantly but with Israel destabilizing the Middle East. Yes. Yeah. but it, it, So it's a very important uh, factor in the US's uh, Pacific strategy and mm-hmm. I think this is just an expansion of that, you know, uh, g- yeah. getting more military uh, capability for Japan for the oncoming war with China, which seems to be inevitable at this stage. The right. U.S.'s war with China.
0: If if I, and I just I just found that one part that I was trying to remember. So Japan, the U.K. and Italy are all going to merge their jet. Um, well, I don't know exactly how you want to call it, but the the they're going to make a sixth generation fighter jet. They're going to merge all their national programs together. And as we know, co- uh, countries are normally nationalistic. They're they're normally loyal to their own unless money's involved. Um, so the idea that these three countries are going to get together, share their own secrets, and come up with the, an even better fighter jet that doesn't sound like peace. Is on the horizon. It doesn't sound like they're doing this. Oh, we're just doing this to make the world a better place. We're doing this in case one day we need it. Um Italy. again, yeah, Italy. Well, yeah, I'm not going to touch that one. But you know what? I mean, well, at the beginning of World War II, they had some impressive planes. They just got passed pretty quick. So when it comes to race cars and planes, the Italians can bring something to the table. But the point is, again, everybody's given up their national goals to work together. That's because they have a larger adversary, and that's China.
1: Let's move on to Brazil. Um, Interesting stuff going on in Brazil. As people are probably aware, there's a new leftist government uh, under Lula da Silva, Mm -hmm. just known as Lula, freshly out of prison. This is his second time as president. He, He was president from 2003 to 2010. Then he was arrested and convicted on charges of money laundering and corruption, sentenced to nine and a half years in prison. He uh, fought it in the appeals court for many years, uh, um, but he finally was arrested again in April 2018, spent 580 days in jail. The federal judge of the case, Sergio Moro, later became the Minister of Justice and Public Security under Bolsonaro's right-wing government. Um, In November 2019, the Supreme Federal Court ruled that incarcerations with pending appeals were unlawful, so Lula was released from prison as a result. In March 2021, the Supreme Federal Court ruled that all of Lula's convictions had to be nullified because he was tried by a court that did not have proper jurisdiction over his case. And that was later confirmed by uh, the Supreme court justices in April, 2021, which restored Lula's political rights. He could run for president again. And um, he He won. Yeah. Now uh, of course we know that the U S doesn't like leftist governments in its (laughs) sphere of influence
0: no latin america general, south america definitely not here definitely
1: yeah. not in that part of the world you know that right. anytime there's a leftist government I
0: the u.s is it. going
1: to invoke the monroe doctrine in yes. some way shape or form not as yes. overtly now as you did back in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s right, it's a little tacky now it's yeah. a little tacky yeah but yeah. uh you do you it in other ways. do it You know, this was going during the Trump years in particular, and even before that, um, the Obama years, the Clinton years, the Bush years, a lot of stuff going down in Venezuela, trying to overthrow the government in Venezuela. Obviously, with Cuba, it's sort of been ongoing for 70-odd years. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, interestingly, a week or so ago, a um, whole bunch of protesters stormed a lot of the government buildings mm-hmm. in uh, Rio de Janeiro. And right. um, it, it's looking pretty nasty down there. These are the supporters of Bolsonaro, who's obviously gone. They stormed the Congress, the Supreme Court, and the presidential palace. Yes. Now, nobody was killed. It happened on a Sunday. All right. Thank you. Nobody nobody was there. Nobody was working. There was a lot of property damage. But Glenn Greenwald, right. yeah. um, friend of the show, a uh, long-time supporter, who's lived there for 17 years, his wow. husband is a member of Congress down there. He pointed out on his show this week, one of the defining episodes of the current Brazilian politics and recent Brazilian history occurred in 1964 when the mm-hmm. CIA, CIA worked with Brazilian generals to overthrow Brazil's democratically elected government, that was, at best, centre-left. We the had center to. Left. We both, to. Both the Kennedy and Johnson administrations in the middle of the Cold War warned Brazil's leaders that there were too many economic reforms going on in Brazil, (laughs) such as rent control and land reform, and that made them concerned that Brazil, in the region that the United States, since the Monroe Doctrine regarded as its own property, was moving too close to Moscow. When its demands to cease those reforms, which Brazilians had actually voted for, were ignored by the democratically elected Brazilian government, the CIA under Johnson, Forced the Brazilian president into exile and then proceeded to impose, for the next 21 years from 1964 until 1985 until Brazil finally redemocratized, a military right. dictatorship that stripped Brazilians of all basic civil liberties, forced artists and dissidents into exile, murdered journalists and used torture, taught them, taught to them by British intelligence services to interrogate citizens suspected of being armed of, being part of armed resistance. If you tell a Brazilian, knowing that history, that the United States of America is in the business of exporting democracy, they will, at least the most polite ones among them, will life, likely laugh in your face. Oh. <coughs> the rest will
0: punch you in the face.
1: But yeah. also, he's talking about the American coverage of uh, the, the, the recent riots. Right, right. But also note the oozing but unwitting sense of the densest kind of liberal American superiority in that exchange and in this discourse that prevailed today generally. Brazil, like most complex democracies, has long experienced all kinds of civil and political unrest. Suspicions over the integrity of institutions have long been common on the left and the right in Brazil. They don't need Donald Trump and the great political geniuses in the United States like CNN to teach them about protest or distrust of institutions because a lot of the American media coverage when this happened was that oh they were just copying Trump's supporters in January 6th, oh, etc. etc. Trump's
0: cetera. fault. Gotcha.
1: Now of course okay. big differences between what happened in Brazil and what happened in January 6th in the United States last year. Um the protests that happened in Brazil happened on a Sunday as opposed to a Tuesday. No one was in the buildings when they ended. No Congress was in session. No Supreme right. Court in session. Lula, the president, was in Sao Paulo on a very publicised trip. Uh, mm-hmm. They'd had some pretty bad storms down there. He was down there to support that, the, the recovery effort. So there right. was no objective purpose to interrupt any kind of process. They weren't trying Just to prevent empty. the inauguration of Lula, which had happened previously. Exactly. Um, but, you know, there obviously uh, uh, is a big movement of people down in Brazil mm-hmm. where that want to overthrow Lula, see him arrested again, restore the Bolsonaro government. Bolsonaro, of course, like Trump, uh, was, a, was a businessman, extreme right wing. Um, when the election happened, he said it was a fake result. He wasn't going to accept yes. it. Then he did. Right. And... Ended up, of course, like all dictators do, eventually in Florida (laughs) uh, for medical reasons.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's there's something going on. Was it serious? I can't remember what I read. I just saw a picture of him in a hospital bed.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, There's there's a very long and honored tradition Uh of American supported dictators ending up in Florida uh, (laughs) when they get kicked out of their own countries. (laughs) Well, it's a nice place. Um, It's warm. So, so yeah. not too much more on that. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, the America is yeah. bound to get involved and try and um, do something to take, Lula. Take
0: advantage. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, hard to trace because it probably will be covertly, but you know, the, the U S doesn't like leftist governments in South America or Latin America. <laughs> yeah. We know that. So there'll be something going on. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. Basically, let's we'll, we'll put a pin in that one. Yeah, but Glenn Greenwald also attacked AOC um, for she apparently said that Bolsonaro needed to be sent back to Brazil to stand trial, and he was like, "Hold on, if you ask the Brazilians what they want, they Brazilians yeah. don't want Bolsonaro back here." Happy to see the ass of him, really. Who are you to decide what the Brazilians want or what should happen to Bolsonaro? What's it got to do with you?
0: Yeah. She could say very well, well, we shouldn't let him
1: in the country because he's a douchebag, but say that he has to be sent back to Brazil to be punished thought was a step too, too far.
0: And you're already assuming his guilt or innocence. But again, Americans, we are not the center of everything. Not everybody wants to know our opinion. And not everybody is willing and happy to jump up and do whatever we say. So calm the fuck down. We're just one of many nations. That is all.
1: Just to wrap up, I wanted to talk about uh, the death of uh, Cardinal George Pell. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I think we may have have talked about him in earlier episodes. I I know that most people around the world don't care about this, so this is mostly for the Australian listeners. Mm -hmm. Um, Cardinal George Pell died age 81 this week. Um, Very controversial figure in Australia. He was the head of the Catholic Church here for a long time. Then he went to the Vatican, uh, took up a very important role. He was one of the top three guys in the Vatican. Right. um ha- that happened when he was heavily embroiled in uh sexual abuse uh inquiries and hearings in australia about the catholic mm-hmm. church among others the royal commission into institutional responses to child sexual abuse he also was um charged and went on trial for rape himself so there's two mm-hmm. there's two sides to the pell story there's the allegations that when he was a high ranking cleric in Australia, uh, you know, his time as a priest and a bishop and a cardinal, that he knew about sexual abuse to minors that was going right. on and did nothing about it, covered it up, protected the priests, etc. The second part of the Pell story is that he was directly accused of sexually molesting mm. young boys. He went to trial, he was found guilty, he went to jail, Uh, he appealed it several times. The appeal was uh, rejected a couple of times. It ended up going to the High Court of Australia and the High Court uh, acquitted him, Mm -hmm. but it's complicated. And what I've found uh, just looking at Facebook in the last couple of days is a lot of Australians who've only paid cursory attention to this, don't really understand what happened. So just a quick summary to break it down for people. The Royal Commission, let's start with that, found that Pell knew or ought to have known about the priests who were raping children during his leadership, particularly the one that he shared a house with for many years, Gerald Risdale, who was found guilty of raping children and did go to jail and is now dead. He was like... Pell's best friend when Risdale uh was going to court, Pell walked him into court. He was his supporter, et yeah. cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, and he was found guilty of raping priests. Now, you know, Pell said, I oh, knew nothing about it. I just saw all those, you know, when those boys were putting their dicks in his mouth, I just thought it was no, he didn't say that. He said, Look, I knew nothing about Communion. it. I was shocked, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Yeah. But the the Royal Commission found that he did know or ought to have known about all of the cases that were going on when he was a senior cleric in Australia. And all, yeah. you know, the millions and millions of dollars that were paid out of, you know, um to silence the victims, to shut them up, right. you know,
0: etc. Somebody knew et something. Yeah. Yeah. In terms
1: of his own Uh, trial uh, for for raping these young boys, uh, sexual abuse, sexual molestation, Mm -hmm. whatever you call Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. The High Court determined not that he was innocent of the charges. Right. They didn't even touch on his guilt or lack thereof when they um, determined the, the appeal. What they said was the jury should have had some doubt. Now, for you know, for the jury, when the jury uh, reached its verdict on the rape case, they unanimously decided that he was guilty based on mm-hmm. the evidence presented to them. Now, right. the problem with the evidence is that it happened, A, it happened decades ago, yeah. B, there were two boys that were the alleged victims and one of them died just before the trial started. I think he committed suicide, might have been an illness, but I think it was suicide. Right. Um, so there wasn't a lot of, I mean, it's hearsay, right? Not a lot of evidence. <laughs> right. Um, there were witnesses. Um, there was, for both sides, the prosecution and the defence, you know, and and the jury assessed all of that, and the jury decided that uh, he was guilty beyond reasonable doubt, which is the right. role of a jury.
0: Now that should be the,
1: that should be the end of it um he appealed uh, the courts of victoria said where where the trial happened the supreme court in victoria said no high court said no um to his rejected his appeal finally went to the high court and they determined that based on the lack of evidence and uh-huh. the competing stories, because there were some stories that said, well, he couldn't possibly have been raping the kids because he was seen on the steps of the church. It was supposed to have happened like in the sacristy in the back of the church, that it couldn't have happened, that the jury should have had reasonable doubt mm. that he was guilty. Um, They shouldn't have decided the way the court, the, the, the way that they did So according to Ben Matthews, who's a professor of the school of law at the Queensland university of technology, wrote an article about this in the conversation. He said, George Pell won on uh, the high court decision on a legal technicality. Right. So it was, uh, he wasn't found innocent though. That's the thing. I've heard people say, well, you know, the charges were squashed. He was found to be innocent. He was acquitted. He was acquitted, but it was a legal technicality the high court disputed that the jury should. Now, this is very rare for an appeals court to overturn the findings of a jury. That's the way our legal system is supposed to work. The jury sat there for months. They heard all of the evidence. They, 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 you know, saw the demeanor of the the witnesses for both sides and reached their verdict. Um, Right. The high court said, yeah, you know, they should yeah. have had some doubt. So that was the case. Anyway, um, I look, I personally know a couple of Catholic priests who knew Pell well before all of this happened. You know, they, mm-hmm. they were Melbourne-based uh, priests from my time down there who I remember them telling me 10, 15 years ago they didn't like this guy, that he was a piece of shit. Right. uh these are Catholic priests saying that that they had no yeah. respect for the guy that he was right. horrible human being saying something uh yeah. and by the way, these are non-rape priests who said that so even Catholic pri- some Catholic priests anyway didn't like this guy when he was their boss Now that happens people don't like their bosses I get that but um yeah he he yeah. was a very unlikable character always moralizing and demeaning people in the media. Holier Jesus. than thou, when, you know, the, the, again, the Royal Commission found that he knew or ought to have known about priests who were raping children under his leadership and he failed to act to stop them. So, anyway, good riddance. One less psychopath in the world is, uh, yeah. and that is the Cameron verdict on that.
0: Yes. And the last thing Ray wants to say is again, what does the Catholic Church have to do to lose your vote? Obviously it's not sexual abuse.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that is the bullshit filter for January twenty twenty-three. Uh stay safe people. Do we have a do we have a catchphrase that we get out of this with? And that's all the bullshit there is to sniff? Yep. Something to filter? Like I, yeah. T-
0: we should come up with some, Barry, Stan. Cheryl. Get on that. Cheryl, yeah. Cheryl, get off Barry. Hey, well, never mind. When you finish, get on this. Thank you.
1: Boss bullshit, bullshit, bullshit.